Welcome to the Moms of Triathlon podcast. I'm Allie Wilson, former college swimmer turned triathlete and full-time stay-at-home mom to my 23-month-old daughter, Beth, and currently 30 weeks pregnant with baby number two. And I'm Amy Henderson, pro triathlete and competitive cyclist and mother of two to Oliver, who's three and a half, and Margo, who is 19 months old. This week, we have an interview with one of the creators of the Facebook group, Moms for Triathlon, Michelle Wieland. But first, what's been going on with us this week? Allie, hello. How have you been? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Good. Yeah, what's been up with this week with you and your family? Uh, we did actually decide to sneak away to the coast for a few days. Um, it was kind of nice. I feel like we haven't been in a little while. Um, we definitely have not been since Beth has been out of the crib and into the like oh, toddler bed. Yeah. So we're like, we need to do one trip somewhere with her in the toddler bed to see how it goes before we travel somewhere with both kids. Oh my gosh. So Whoa. I'm like, we just need to, because, yeah, because I mean, baby's doing like two months and. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't, like, we're not going to be doing anything. Yeah, <laughs> so in the like, last part, right? <laughs> we just need a trial run here. So um, overall went pretty well. She definitely, like, we took her stuffed animals. Like, she knows her bed and she knows when she goes into bed, she's, she just goes in and we read her books and we do her whole normal bedtime routine. No issues with going to bed. But the thing is, she'd wake up really early like I mean she usually you know now that we're back on track with sleeping she usually is waking up around eight and it was mm-hmm. like 5 45 and she'd wake up and look around and be like hi mama oh my gosh okay so well what was the bed situation like at the coast did you we're in the same room okay and, and she she's has got a bed she has a she has a we have a crib that's been converted to a toddler bed oh at the coast now yeah because oh, we go okay. like enough that it was yeah. like we got the crib for there I think we got it off of buy nothing so it was like okay free crib converted so it's basically the same bed type of situation she has at home okay but then so then previously was she it was all the same setup except that she was in a crib instead of a bed but it was still in the same room yes but what we had done is we'd gotten these kind of like like pop-up partition things and so she would kind of wake up and not really see us yeah but with her having the ability to get in and out of the bed it was like we Uh just don't want those in there and so so, yeah, that's kind of what, what it's been. And so just like she wakes up, hi, mama, sees me and decides to run over. And I'm just like, it's way too early for this. Oh, my gosh. And so the first two nights, Nick wasn't there. Um, and so I think it, I think it was around six and it was like she was up. There was I didn't even try to get her back into bed. I didn't know what to do. So we get her up like, all right, it's six and we're awake. And yes, I understand there's a lot of parents that deal with that every day. (laughs) I I know we are fortunate. Um, But the second day was actually really special. So she wakes up, does the same thing, jumps out of bed. But I get her to come into bed with me and um, I actually got her to fall back to sleep. Wow. With me, which nice. which we don't, we never co-sleep, we never anything. And it was just me and her, and I just, like, started reciting books I had memorized. And she just <laughs> fell, like, we both just fell back to sleep for, like, another hour. And it Aww. was just really, yeah, I was like, like, we never get to snuggle anymore. Aww, <laughs> She's always so moving nice. too much. <laughs> so. Nice. so then how was it once Nick was there? The next night or two. It was good. I'm trying to remember. I think we she slept a little bit later the third night. Like it okay. seemed to be a little yeah. bit better as we went. But the um the last night when we were there, like the I think she was kind of moving a little bit when we went into the room and didn't realize that. And then mm. the bed made a noise. Mm. Like when we climbed in it and it like right. 
like 11 p.m. She was like, I'm awake. And so for the next hour and a half, it was kind of like she was just tossing and turning. Oh. So that's that was worst. like, I feel really bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, so. I hate that. <laughs> but she just know, stayed right? in her bed, though. She got just... out and I was able to put her back. Oh, okay. And then I just like laid and didn't move. Yeah. You know, like, because yeah. I was right there. I'm like, don't <laughs> yeah. see me. Don't look. Yeah. Oh, so, man. yeah. So that was like, it went well, but, you know, she didn't have any interest in napping while we were there. Quiet time <laughs> basically didn't happen at all. So she was completely melting down by oh, the end of every day. Yeah. So, it, you know, uh-huh. it made it really hard to, like, just, I don't know. I mean, I know that's going to happen. It's just, it was tough. Yeah, it's so. hard. You just feel so bad. That was like Margot tonight, you know, didn't like I can tell, you know, I don't necessarily know how her nap is each day because Cass is watching her and doing stuff. And like today, you know, I was sort of taking over and, you know, she's definitely moody, you know, and then Cass confirms like, oh, yeah, she didn't really have a great nap today. It's yeah. just like any little thing sets them off. It's, so it's sad. tough. And it's like the one nap and they're kind of on the verge of like some days are fine without it. And other days, they're absolutely not fine without it. <laughs> totally. Exactly. So, so yeah. yeah. Um, but other beach stuff we did, um, we ran around on the sand. Um, there's this cool way that my dad will go crabbing off the beach. Um, just these baskets you, like, fling into the water. And so he he did catch one Dungeness crab. And so it was wow. kind of fun to, like, show her. And, like, what did Pop find on the beach? Pop found a crab. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were asking her what she found. And she, um, Beth was, like, walking around saying, she found seashells and a walk. <laughs> so, like, just her little voice. Um, we got to fly her first kite. Ooh. And so that was super fun. It was, like, just windy enough wow. that we were able to get a kite up. Wow, um, so fun. Yeah. I remember Ollie just loving the kites when we would have gone to visit the beach. So yeah, really fun. Well, we'd seen somebody that had one out, and she was like, butterfly. And we're like, shoot, we have kites at the house. Like, Yeah. Yeah, let's go grab one. Nice. So that was fun. And like kind of the last coasty thing that we did, um, it's, it feels like it has been a little while since we've been there. And so she's just like grown and you know developed a lot more and doing a lot more things and so we took her on a little hike she didn't want to be in the carrier very much so we were able to do like partway in the carrier partway her walking but the little hike took us kind of down onto like another beach and I took her shoes off so she could be in the sand and she was like don't like it don't like it don't like it oh my gosh I was like what do you mean? Like, mama's barefoot. She goes, don't like it. Oh. <laughs> so, oh. so we put her shoes back on and she was much happier. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, she had no problem with it. The last time we would have done barefoot of the beach would have been, like, in the fall when we were in San Diego. And she had no problem yeah. with it. She never had a problem with it before. But the few times we've gone over the last, you know, four months, five months or whatever, it's been winter. So she's right. had boots on. Yeah. So it's just oh like, my gosh, that's so funny. It's super cute, but you just kind of feel really bad too. Yeah. It's like, okay, we'll work on that this summer. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Does she walk around like barefoot in the grass in your backyard or anything if there's like nicer days? I mean, maybe it just hasn't come up since like that's the thing. Yeah. It summer. hasn't really come up. And so um, actually, just yesterday, it was like just like dry enough. That I tried to take her socks off so she could go in the backyard barefoot. And she did the same thing. Oh, <laughs> So yeah. she definitely wanted shoes on. Some kind of like, 
that's fine. We'll work on that this summer. We'll uh, we'll do some more barefoot stuff this summer. <laughs> yeah, nice. So, Fun. anyways, that's that's our coasty update. What's been going on with you this past week or so? Oh my gosh! Well, one of the big things on my mind is from today, Allie, which is that you and I met up for a swim and. <laughs> I just felt like everything went wrong in this swim. No. Well, so my coaches wanted me to use a snorkel as a tool. So when I'm swimming, you know, I can use the snorkel to breathe. And you sent me the one that you recommended. And so I ordered it, you know, like a few weeks ago. And so I've had it. I've used it a few times now. And the first time using it, like, (laughs) it was just... I don't know. It was not great. It was not great. Um, I didn't have a nose plug, which is something yeah. that you recommended after, which I didn't even like well, I realize or think of. I hadn't even thought of it because when you were talking about swimming with a snorkel, which I've been swimming with a snorkel for like over 20 years, and I haven't worn a nose plug in forever. And then when we were swimming together the first time a couple weeks ago, it was like, oh, a nose plug could probably really help you. <laughs> yeah. Because so like think about it sooner. I know. Because first of all, without it, like not knowing, okay, when I'm breathing in the water, I think what would happen is that I would breathe out of my nose too much. And then if I got a little bit of water in the snorkel, like I didn't have air to breathe that out. Yeah. And then, of course, I did a flip turn. And I was like, that was the big Drowning. thing. Drowning. Breathing out of my nose when uh-huh. I'm doing the flip turn, that's using a lot of air. So then by the time I would come up and need to push the water out of the snorkel, I didn't have any air left. So I was just like trying to figure out how to like seal the water out of your mouth too. Yeah. Yeah. It's in, I remember trying to explain that to you of like, well, if you just kind of like do this, like you basically use your tongue to kind of seal off your snorkel opening, blow out of your nose, but don't blow out too much and then come up and then blow out of your mouth. And by the (laughs) way, when you're swimming, I kind of alternate between blowing out of my nose and out of my mouth. Oh, yeah. And then it was like, oh, This is really complicated for somebody who's (laughs) never done this before. Yeah. It reminds me of like my mom. She doesn't do flip turns, I don't think. And I know that she was doing a master swimming like, you know, years ago at the high school that I went to. They had a master's group and the master's coach was trying to teach her how to flip turn and like forgot to tell her, oh, when you flip turn, you have to breathe out of your nose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I got a plug, uh, you know, a nose plug um, and used that. And then a few weeks ago when I used a snorkel, I was like, okay, I can do this. Like I would, my coach put on my plan to like, okay, go underwater and then blow out at the start so that you're getting used to that. And then I was able to do flip turns because once I had the nose plug, like I could get those down. So I was like, okay, we got this. Like, it's pretty good. (laughs) So today we start not to mention, you know, you had another swimming friend which i specify swimming friend because it's like another friend not just who swims but like who's a really good swimmer so like, also a college swimmer <laughs> and yeah, she's so like, like five years younger than me and still very fast <laughs> oh my gosh so fast and so i'm like in the middle you know we each have a lane and i'm in the middle lane just like oh my gosh this is so embarrassing no <laughs> which is fine it's fine but you know then The other thing that was funny is like, okay, my coach will write a set and he wants me to focus on pulling because I'm a triathlete and like that's, you know, those are like the muscles I need to develop. And honestly, like my pulling is so weak. I know that's what I need to work on. Like that Mm -hmm. is what is going to help me. And so I don't even, you know, I'll see a set. You always ask me, oh, send me your set or I'll like look at it. 
when I'm reading a set in advance, I'm literally just like, oh, yeah, I understand the words that are on the page. Great. (laughs) And then I don't actually comprehend it with my mind and like think about what it all means until the actual like I'm in the workout and I need to know, like, what's the next set of intervals? And so at one point we start and and you're saying how like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's pretty much all pulling. (laughs) It's like. Oh shoot, that's hard. How yeah, am I gonna that was do a that? Two thousand meter pull set. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, that's a good point. Okay, like, all right. So anyway, so then you know we start with the pull buoys and stuff. First of all, you know I'm using the snorkel and a pull buoy and paddles, and I'm about to start, and you're like, uh, you should probably put the snorkel mouth in your <laughs> yeah, mouth. Yeah. You were like, okay, I'm ready. And you had it like turned sideways. And it was like, you might want to, you might want to put that in your mouth. (laughs) So that was the start. Then I started. And that first set, like, I didn't have my nose plug on right. It worked okay the other week when I was alone. But it wasn't working that well. So I go and I do a flip turn. And it was so bad. Like, I, I stopped. And it was like that. Just water in the nose, brain feeling, like tingles. So awful. So I'm like, okay. So I come back to the wall and then I'm like, how does, how am I supposed to use this nose plug? You explain how to use it properly because I wasn't. I think the next set, like I did the thing where I had my paddle and I like clipped the water. So it fell off. Mm, That happened to me like twice in the workout. You mean the tip of it? Yeah. When I was dragging my arm or like doing my recovery yeah recovery uh Uh, so that happened like definitely had moments where like the pull buoy flipped out from my legs (laughs) it was just all the novice i know (laughs) you did did a pretty good job and then we did two fast 50s yes which we were we've talked about this of you and me doing a head-to-head like 50 race at like the very last part of my pregnancy and I will say, I think if you keep swimming consistently and I obviously get bigger and bigger, um, I think it'll be pretty close. And I think my only chance is if we keep it out of 50 and like, I don't know. My my real thought is like, there, there's just no chance. Like, I will never be able to beat you in any distance. <laughs> I don't know. Well, swimming. when we started that, we were like 15 yards into it. And I was like, what the heck? Yeah, that was the one. Yeah, you know, if like if we did a twenty five, <laughs> yeah, well, we'll but see. you would just pace it differently. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh! Because by the so... end, it's that feeling for me by the end of these sprints of like you know when you do a four hundred meter sprint on the track, like your legs are jello in the last part, and that's my arms. They're just like so slow, like I can't even turn them over. You know? <laughs> yeah, I I definitely get that, and that's like. I mean, I I feel that with swimming when I'm like getting back into shape and you're just like, why aren't they going? <laughs> yeah, totally. So anyway, I survived a swim workout, but mostly been sticking to the bike, enjoying the nice weather. So, but Ali, I'm really excited to get into the interview that we have to share with everyone this week. It was really fun talking with Michelle and hearing all about the start of the Facebook group that she began and how she fits everything in with her two kids. So let's get into the interview. 
This week on the podcast, we are very excited to be welcoming Michelle Wieland. We wanted to have her on the podcast because back in 2016, Michelle started the Facebook group Moms for Triathlon. The group has nearly 2,800 members, and it is incredibly active and supportive group of moms, people asking questions, sharing their own experiences, cheering on successes. And Michelle herself is a mom of two who has had a lot of success in triathlon, both before having kids and since having kids. She has been competitive nationally in her age group in the shorter distances and has raced many Ironman and half Ironman events as well. And on top of that, Michelle has her own coaching company, Next Level Coaching. Michelle, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. So, Michelle, tell us a little bit about your current day-to-day to to sort of get us oriented. So, how old are your kids, and what is your typical routine with school, childcare, work, other activities? So, I have a seven-year-old girl, Allie, and a four-year-old boy, Axel, and they could not be more different. Um, (laughs) And uh, so, my day starts usually trying to get them out of the house, which, you know, can be hard. Um, Allie's in first grade and Axel goes to, uh, preschool twice a week. And then the other two days I take him with me to work. If I'm working, they have a great childcare. He absolutely loves it. He goes in and gives his little best friend there a hug. Um, it's wonderful. So, um, after I get them situated wherever they are, I will coach, um, or train some clients, and then usually piggyback on, if I am at the gym, my own workout. Um, And then on the days that he's just in preschool, I might volunteer at my daughter's school, and and then in the evening, I'll go into the gym um, and do my coaching and my workouts in the evening. Um, My husband is a pilot, and he's a commercial pilot, so he's gone half of the time. So, um, yeah, so that can make things challenging, um, just not knowing his schedule more than a month in advance for planning. Um, and before I could rely on my parents a little bit more to jump in and help with the babysitting, but they're having to transition into caretaking for an elderly relative. So, um, it's a lot of me trying to figure out when to work out with when childcare is available um, and then using babysitters when we need them, which when I was training for Ironman, we needed babysitters <laughs> for those long weekends. Um, and then just trying to f- keep the house um, orderly. I'm not going to say clean, yeah. like the, that, the bar has gone down. I, like, I really like your use of the word orderly there. That's yeah. a good one. Okay, we have yeah. clean clothes and we have dishes. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Well, yes. I have a question on your um, the coaching. So I didn't, you know, for a lot of triathlon coaching specifically, it's not necessarily in a gym or, you know, a lot of in-person stuff, but hearing you talk about it, you do go in. So do you train more than just triathletes or like what else do you do in that realm? So I, my background is as a clinical exercise physiologist. So I do work with some elderly clients as well, um, as well as my more active clients. So I kind of get to see both ends of the spectrum, which is so much fun. And 
just keeps me more engaged than just working with one set of athletes. Um, Because I think as long as you are exercising with purpose, you're an athlete. And I think that that's a good mindset for people to have, you know, like I can still do this because a lot of my older clients were athletes and getting to continue to embody that for them is very empowering. Yeah. That's a good reminder too, for like any of the different stages you are in life. You know, I think it's easy to think you're only an athlete if you're training for something or, you know, and I think that, you know, especially like where I'm at in pregnancy, I'm like, I'm exercising three days a week. (laughs) Does that count? (laughs) I'm still an athlete. (laughs) So it's a good reminder. You have purpose. Yeah, totally. Well, if we take a step back, like, were you involved in sports as a kid or like through high school and college at all? I was a gymnast. So that really, the only thing that helped was I was used to spending hours at a time in a gym um, doing repetitive things. I mean, how many hours and days and weeks I spent on top of the balance beam doing the same skill probably helped me out for an eight-hour bike ride in some ways. The monotony. Um, And then I went into diving, but I had never swam. So that was a challenge. How did you get um, go from gymnastics and diving into triathlon then? Uh, actually, when I was in grad school, everybody rode bikes. So I got a bike. Oh. And I was working as an exercise physiologist in a gym. And one of the trainers was putting on a learn to try class. And it was oh. free. And I had a bike. <laughs> so it was like, yeah. all you need. why not? Um, and sort of the rest is history. So you uh, big kudos to Mark for getting me to try that triathlon and teaching me to swim and learning to swim laps as an adult gives you so much grace and patience for people who also learn to swim laps as adults because it's I mean yeah. 25 yards was just wiping me out it's definitely fun looking back at like getting into the sport so I was thinking about it the other day for some reason about when I was starting to like learning how to bike, which I didn't do until after college. And there's like this lake that we bike around um, not too far from here. And it's like 12 miles around. And I remember thinking I went out with a group and they did a warm up lap and then they were going off. And I'm like, that was your warm up <laughs> lap? Like, <laughs> I'm going to do that one more time and I'm good. <laughs> you guys are going to go bike like 80 miles. <laughs> so it's, it's really cool that like looking back. So definitely fun. Definitely very relatable. Yeah. And I love hearing how people got into the sport because it's always just like some little thing or like, you know, it always feels a little bit like if that wouldn't have been there, would I ever have found this amazing thing that now is my community is my why is like this amazing source of confidence and all of that. And so I think it really speaks to how important it is for those of us who get farther in the sport to look back and think, how can we give back and like have, you know, put on a class Mm -hmm. of learn to try or you know, do a group ride that's welcoming to newcomers and that type of thing. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. It can be an intimidating thing to get into. So anyway, to be like supportive and encouraging of incoming athletes. Yeah. And I think that even gets into the group that you started, the Moms for Triathlon group, because when I go on there, I mean, it's so cool to see the different backgrounds that people have coming into this group. 
because there's a lot of people who are just getting into triathlon, you know, after having kids and are wanting to learn, like, what does this look like? What gear do I need? Can I do, you know, I saw someone today, like, isn't sure that they can, can run a half. And so they're asking about, you know, can I do a, um, you know, have people done relays for triathlons and stuff like that. But then you also have the people who were like, you know, maybe more serious athletes and then they have kids and it's like, well, now how do I fit in my workouts with kids? And so it's just like this very cool community of people coming together to share knowledge and, you know, help each other in different ways. And everyone has something that they can contribute. So let's get into that a little bit. And like, you know, I mean, taking a step back, I guess, is first, where were you in your training when you decided, you know, that you wanted to have kids or like, what did that process look like for you? Well, um, I met my husband who was in active duty in the Air Force. So he was going to be changing his duty station. So it was like, okay, um, I guess uh, we'll get married. And he was moving to a place that was pretty remote um, in the high desert of California. And so when I moved down there, I knew that my job wasn't going to follow me. So I knew that I was going to have to create something for myself. So I created my coaching business at that time. And then um, we tried to start a family and then that happened. Um, And it was just the time it worked out. And I was in my mid thirties. So it was kind of like, it's kind of time to, to get that ball started. So um, I had such a great base fitness going into my first pregnancy. Um, (laughs) I had, finished my fastest Ironman um, and then went to the world championships for Ironman 70.3 and like on top of the world, just, you know, (laughs) feeling myself and then got pregnant. And um, I was able to train through most of my pregnancy for the first one and then just sort of followed how I felt during the pregnancy um, with biking and running and things like that. And if you haven't been to the Antelope Valley in Southern, in Southern California, going outside in some of the months, it's like being in a hair dryer, like both with the oh. intensity of the wind and the heat. So oh a lot of the training um, went inside just because it's like nobody wants to train when it's super duper hot. Um, so it wasn't like, should I bike outside because it's safe? It's like, no, I wouldn't want to bike outside even if I wasn't pregnant. <laughs> like it's, the question's made for me. Um, yeah. So so then with that, were you coaching yourself? Were you coached? Were you just sort of figuring out, just trying to keep up some level of fitness? Or what were you thinking about in terms of goals? Um, for my first pregnancy, I kept my coach on for... I think at least the first 30 weeks um, and we were working on a lot of core and she was super flexible. Like if this doesn't feel good today, don't do it. Um, And just going based upon how my body felt that day. And I think I stopped running at around 30 weeks just because it just didn't feel good and it didn't feel fun. Yeah. Yeah, But I, I maintained with that pregnancy biking the whole time because we had a, a bike room like we have a bike room here and my husband's a cyclist so that was something that I did probably up until I went into labor with 
with Allie. <laughs> so then you went into labor. So tell us a little bit about what your labor was like with Allie. So I had a doula with Allie and well, with both of my pregnancies and she was great. So I felt totally supported. And again, because we lived in a pretty remote area, area, it was an hour drive to our hospital. Mm. So when we finally took the drive, <laughs> oh, that hour seemed like six. Oh my gosh. And, oh my you know, gosh. all those hopes for having an, un, you know, a smooth delivery. Once I got to the hospital, I was, I had been so uncomfortable. I was like, okay, give me the epidural. I was vomiting because of the pain. Um, yeah, it was pretty bad. So I was in labor for about 26 hours. Um, and like I said, my doula was great. She was moving me, you know, trying to keep things going. Um, and then, when they were doing one of my checks, the nurse kind of had this look in her face. And um, I had had a couple of decelerations in Allie's heart rate mm-hmm. already. And uh, then the doctor came in and was like, we think you're having a placenta eruption. We need to get her out. So I was like, oh, my God. OK. <laughs> so this was oh. a doctor that I'd never met before, you know, just walking in very calmly saying, this is what's going to happen. I was like, let's go. Like. It's been 26 yeah. hours. You know, we, <laughs> I'm ready to be done. <laughs> we gave it a try. Um, oh my gosh. But she was great. The doctor was great at updating me. Like, once we got in the OR, she's like, her heart rate's back up. She's she's looking strong. Like, but we're, you're, you're going to see her in like seven minutes. So just, you know. Um, so then I had her, and the first two weeks went pretty good. Um, about. 10 days after birth, I had this horrible calf pain and I couldn't walk. And I was like, oh, that's weird. God, this is really hard, this giving birth thing. And then a couple of days later, I was having some chest pain and I was a little short of breath. And I woke my husband up and after I kind of put everything together and I was like, honey, I need to go to the hospital. I think I'm having a, a pulmonary embolism. Um. So then off to the ER, I went, and that was just so hard because I, you know, your baby's two weeks old. She was exclusively breastfed. We're out in the Antelope Valley. I have like two friends at that point um, (laughs) that really stepped up. But yeah, having to be re-hospitalized with a newborn is not fun. (laughs) And it was scary for everyone, but... We all turned out okay. Um, And I think that the upside to that was having to be on blood thinners, not being so restricted in what I could do. I did what I could do. And what I could do was core conditioning and pelvic floor stability. So I just spent so much time just re-engaging my core, making sure my pelvic floor was strong because... Couldn't do much else because I had clots in my legs. So it's not like I could go out and run. But it's like, okay, this is what I can do. And this is what I'm going to do. Um, and so I really focused on that. And I think that that played a huge role in me coming back as strong as I did with Allie. Was I could, I just had Allie to focus on and me getting better. 
And so I did that. And I also switched my focus from before I was doing Ironman and 70.3s. And I was like, I don't want to compare myself to that person. I don't have mm-hmm. that time. I don't have the support. I'm going to go back to the beginning. And we're going to focus on sprints. And because that's what I think that I have time for. And we'll throw in a, a, a 70.3 at the end of the year, you know, just to say we did. Um, you know, just for funsies. I'll focus on sprints, but, but I'll just finish But, you know, <laughs> but no big deal. I, do, I do like going long, too. So, um, yeah. but I really focused. <laughs> I mean, we are our, our own special kind of crazy, but yeah, um, true. I think help. It really helped just working on speed work, um, coming back slowly, um, coached and encouraged, um, and also not having a previous self to compare myself to. Like, I had no idea what my sprint times were or, or any of that stuff. It was like, so it, it, was, it was yeah, new really- to me, but it was yeah. still home. Yeah, definitely. So when you were in that postpartum period, so you were coaching other athletes at this time, right? Yeah. So I gave birth to her in October. So it helped okay. because people's training schedules are sort of oh, tapering yeah. off. Yeah. So okay, kind of that was my yeah. question. Was yeah, were you able to give yourself some time of some period of maternity leave? So yeah, that that sounds like it worked out pretty well in that sense. Yeah. And then for your you know, the core and the strengthening that you were doing, were you mostly drawing on your own background in the exercise physiology or were you following any programs? Was your coach giving you ideas of what to do? I went to YouTube and got a lot of great exercises there, honestly. And there's so much variety out there. And I obviously with having the knowledge that I had could kind of pick through like it, eh, that doesn't look right. Um, and that helped. But yeah, it was yeah, just a lot of just simple movements <laughs> that you really have to do to re-engage your cords. You got to wake yeah. up yeah. those muscles. I, I think it's really easy to forget that it doesn't take a lot, like early, early postpartum, especially like you don't need to be doing big exercises right away. Like it's the little tiny things that you need to start reactivating mm-hmm. and, and waking up again and, and you, you know, using again. Um, well, how, I, I don't think you mentioned, how did your training look in your second pregnancy as compared to your first? And how did your recovery from that kind of come then after that one, after your second one? So after you have a blood clot, you're considered at higher risk for having a second one. And pregnancy is a, a oh, risk factor okay. for having a blood clot. Um, so that meant that for my second pregnancy, I had to be on anticoagulants the entire pregnancy. So I was giving myself oh. Lovenox injections every day. So oh that gosh. meant n- no outdoor biking. Um, and then I think it was around 16, 18 weeks I was diagnosed with placenta previa. So I was like, come oh, on, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, does that mean, that means bed rest, right? Um, or- for me, it was um, no relations and um, you can't run, which for my oh. baby moon with <laughs> Axel, 
we had gone to Hawaii and and it was around 16 weeks and I was doing 5k a day. I was like, oh I'm gonna average gosh, a yeah. 5k a day. <laughs> so every morning I would go up and go running and then you go to the doctors and the next day <laughs> that's gone. And it's like oh. all right, I guess I'm left with swimming in the elliptical. <laughs> so oh my gosh yeah I ran into that with my first pregnancy we were told basically pelvic rest um and I was training for you know I had a 60 mile ride plan the next day and I got a phone call and I was like you can't you can't go on that ride and yeah it it's hard you can get the rug pulled out from under you yeah and it's just mentally it's really really hard to learn how to accept that it, it was yeah like you said you just had a vision of what the pregnancy was going to be like and not having that control and having it taken away from you so quickly is, is really tough, but yeah, it's kind of like parenting. <laughs> Things get down. It's preparing you. My, yes. my coach and my mom told me it was, I don't remember exactly what it was, but basically like, welcome to your life being controlled by your child. Yep. Oh my <laughs> She's going to start throwing your curveballs and starting already. Yeah. <laughs> so, Aww. oh man. So how did your recovery then, you know, how did you kind of try to build back after your second kid? And um, did we see that you had a C-section for your second one as well? I did. I, again, I was in the same place. So um, I did a scheduled induction because I was so far from the hospital because you have to be off of certain blood thinners and timelines and stuff like that. Um, oh. There was a lot of scheduling that had to be done with my health. And then of course I had to have somebody watch Allie. So at 39 right. weeks, we did the induction thing. And uh, two days later, there was no baby. <laughs> oh my God. <gosh>. So, <laughs> and so, um, I mean, they, tra- they, we tried everything, all the miles I walked, logged in those halls and oh. Foley bulbs. I popped two Foley bulbs and Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. So it was another <laughs> um, C-section and it was tough because it felt like a failure because I had a doula in there who spent, you know, 18 hours with me with all the oils rubbing all the points and I was having contractions. They just weren't doing anything. So it was like I went through all the pain <laughs> and still got to have, go through all the pain of a C-section as well. Oh, my so. gosh. Well, how did recovery from a C-section go? Like, we're with um, our second kiddo coming up. We're planning a C-section. And one of the things I'm most nervous about is having doing going through C-section recovery while having a kid at home already. So if you have any, like, amazing bits of advice <laughs> to share, <laughs> uh. I would love to hear them. Well, we also knew um, and had heard of night doulas. So we got a night doula and she came two to three nights a week, um, which really helped out because, you know, my husband was still flying. And so I just needed to sleep and he needed to sleep. So I knew three nights a week I would be able to sleep and get some rest. And she would be up or she would help Allie out if Allie woke up in the middle of the night. So um, that was a big help. But you don't 
get to sleep through the night. Like I was still up <laughs> nursing. Like I still yeah. had to pump. She would have milk right. if he wanted to feed like three or four times during that night, but I still had to get up and pump. Um, so, but that helped out so much. Uh, but the biggest difference um, with having two was just, we were in different phases of our lives. Uh, my husband was transitioning out of the air force and then becoming a commercial pilot. So he was doing interview prep and he had 22 years of um, vacation time that we got to use. So we were going places. So the focus wasn't just on me at that point. It was on, you know, what's going on with Allie. Um, Let's go visit this. Oh, wait, we haven't gone to that park yet. Like we need to go to Legoland. Um, And, Oh, there's a half marathon on base. I still haven't done that. I need to, I need to jump into training because I want to do that half marathon. Uh, so I didn't give myself and my body the same rest and the same grace as I did with my first one. And I ended up with a bum hip that took, you know, another six months to heal, um, And that was super frustrating. So if you can't just chill out, (laughs) which is hard. I think my expectations um, of myself and fitness level are quite a bit lower going into having the second one than the first. Because the first, it was like, you're, you know, you're going to bounce back and be the, the rock star athlete mom with a half on the books at five and a half months postpartum and, this time around, it's like, eh, hopefully I can get back at exercising yeah. at some point. Yeah, and I think that that's, yeah, you just kind of lower your expectations and just be kind to yourself and um, know that it's your journey and be okay with failing at things sometimes. And that's really hard because, yeah, I didn't do the half marathon. That just wasn't going to happen. And when I went to finally went to the physical therapist and she's like, I said, oh, I've been cutting my Brian runs back. And I was like five or six months postpartum. And she's like, so what does that mean to you? You're cutting your runs back. I was like, I'm doing, I'm just like doing five or six miles. And she's like, yeah, you shouldn't be running right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So. So you've now had many years of having to fit in the training with kids. And I know that, I mean, it looks so different for different people and how they come up with ways to fit in the workouts. What are some of the things that you found that really worked for you with, you know, one kid or two kids or um, stuff like that? How have you, what did you find to fit in that training? Uh, Having a gym membership that had childcare. Yeah. That was key. Uh, in Southern California, we had a great uh, YMCA that had um, two other moms that worked there that were we were all pregnant at the same time. So we're all kind of in the same little boat. It was so much fun. And we all had the same perinatologist. It was crazy. Um, and that's how I found out one of them was pregnant. It was I looked over and she's like, I haven't seen you at the gym in a while. And I was like, well, this is why. <laughs> I haven't been feeling so great. Um, so I felt 
so comfortable just dropping Allie off there because that's another thing is dropping your kid off at childcare for the first time is really scary. And because yeah. they're just completely out of control, even though the childcare was like in this giant fishbowl and from the cardio equipment that I was running on, I could <laughs> physically see her. So and she could see me. So it was kind of the best case where it was like, we're still kind of together and I'm getting my workout done because paying for a babysitter when my husband wasn't available and he wasn't available gets very expensive. Yeah. And then the babysitter ends up meaning you're paying for your commute time and stuff too. And like that just, it adds up. It does. Yeah. So with using the childcare um, and obviously working as a coach, I'm sure one of the things that comes up quite a bit is training around little kids bringing sicknesses home. Is that something (laughs) I'm guessing you've dealt with that? We have actually had a couple people ask kind of like, Hey, could you cover um, how to deal with kiddos being sick all the time in training? Um, And honestly, full disclosure, Amy and I can't necessarily speak to that because I'm full-time stay-at-home mom, you know, she has in-home help. And so we're not dealing with the, the daycare sicknesses. So if, if you can yes. <laughs> share anything on that, we, we have some people asking. <laughs> uh, wish I had more of a solution. Um, I was sick for a month this past month. So my little got, guy got oh. sick before Valentine's Day, right before we were going to Hawaii. And I was like, oh, oh. little man, you got to get better because we're going to Hawaii. <laughs> so, you know, I'm doing all the snuggles, all the kisses, not thinking. Dude's a vector, man. So (laughs) uh, about halfway into the Hawaii trip, I was relaxed enough. My immune system was relaxed enough. And I had been incubating stuff that I got super sick, like sicker than I've been in years. So then I got sick and then Allie got sick the last little part. And then it just kind of and then she went back to school after she was feeling better. Brought another sickness home. Um, So I. I would say uh, you're going to get sick. But but if you can really stop and rest, if you can do that and you can keep your kids home, um, not obviously indefinitely, but when they're not feeling good so they can get rest, do that. Just yeah. In general, like for, you know, for for training purposes, how, how do you recommend get th- getting through that? Or how do you recommend to your athletes if they're dealing with that? I mean, obviously you're saying take the rest. Are you talking like completely just don't do anything or is it like, Hey, back off, you know, drop your intensity or just, you know, yeah, back off, you- <laughs> drop the intensity. And it's really good to depend on your sleep quality. Um, if your mm. kids are little and they're up, crying in the middle of the night because they can't breathe. And so you're having to hold them up. And so you're sleeping Mm -hmm. like on this weird angle. And so you're not able to recover from your, your workout. Well, you're not going to be able to hit that next workout hard. You're going to have to give yourself some grace. So either maybe your, um, your, your training stress is going to have to go down for that, that workout. So Mm -hmm. you can do that in, you know, many ways, maybe you cut out an interval, um, maybe you change the workout altogether and it's everything goes down as far as the, the, the total intensity um, gets dampened down. 
Um, but that's when having a good coach and explaining to them, like, look, I haven't slept in two days. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sick, but um, maybe doing an hour and a half hard trainer ride isn't going to be serving me the best when I'm kind of in this uh -oh stage. And then maybe they can take it down to an hour or, or whatever. Um, and I mean, that's why you hire a coach versus just buying a training plan. Because there's a ton of really great mm -hmm. training plans out there. But having your coach that you can communicate with um, and saying, I need something lighter. Um, and they can, because with a lot of the training programs now, we can go in and pretty quickly make tweaks. Um, and I would rather mm -hmm. tweak somebody's program before they get sick. So that way you're setting them up for success later on. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, absolutely. Be preventative and yeah, also definitely. prevention. Do any of the athletes that you work with use whoop or the aura ring or things that sort of track that sleep? And would you ever like use that to adjust things? Or I don't know. Do you have experience with those? Um, I have a little bit of personal experience. Um, it's, I think that eventually they're going to be really great. I, I hate that you have to buy mm -hmm. subscriptions. Um, oh, I know. But I do think that just mm. having your own baseline heart rate variability and knowing what that is in the morning, I think that's great. I think mm -hmm. you can get lost in too much data. Um, yeah. And I think that... I th the data that they're collecting has gotten a lot better, but I do have a friend and he, he's very sciencey and he has a whoop and an aura ring and oh he gosh. compares That's fun. the data. So Love what, so one cool. day his whoop will say, you slept like a baby. Well, babies don't sleep well. You slept great. And then the <laughs> other one will say, oh, oh my gosh, don't even think about training today. So when you've got that kind okay. of data, I, I still believe that like stopping and listening to how you feel is good. But sometimes as athletes, you do need to have something say, no, look, you're getting sick. Your respiration rate is higher. Your heart rate variability yeah. is not what it should be like. And having that, because when I was sick, what happened that made me stop and go, you need to call the doctor was my son came over and he had the pulse socks and he put it on my finger and he said, mommy, I'll take care of you. Oh. And he put it on my finger and my resting heart rate was 20 beats per minute, like higher than it normally was. And I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, I think my body needs a little help here. So yeah. Yeah. Starting an antibiotic. Yeah, and, totally. And it, it was, it was good. So I got to give him yeah. a raise or at least pay my copay <laughs> yeah. or something. Oh, that's awesome. That's so good. You know, what I am hearing from you is really trying to get past some of that athlete mindset of like, oh, if I miss this workout, oh, if I miss this thing and think long term mm -hmm. and, you know, like they say, I mean, it's the athlete who arrives to the start line healthy that's a success yeah. and you can put in all this crazy training, but if you get a stress fracture or, you know, if you get sick and then you keep being sick, it's going to long-term take way more, take away more from your training. And so it's just like, 
it's okay to be a little cautious, like, and hopefully in the end, that'll work out better. So, and my philosophy with training and coaching and just being in this profession is to have lifelong exercisers. So there, I might have athletes today that are training for an Ironman or the national championships are doing their first race and that's great, but I want you to love sport. I want you to be love being active. So I don't want to burn you out and I don't want your experience with training to be negative. So I want to train and teach my athletes to listen to their body. So that way when they are maybe embarking on something else that they know what feels good to them and teaching them to trust how them knowing how they feel and going with that. So I praise my athletes like, good, your shoulder was messed up and you decided to stop swimming masters. That sounds like a really good decision. I'm glad that you didn't do that because I know for this person to stop swimming, they have to be in a lot of pain. So reinforcing like, good job for stopping because yeah uh, you know I don't know that I always did and would and so there's a little bit of self-coaching there that's going on as well (laughs) totally that's a good point I think especially for people who've been athletes you know from the time they were younger there's that mentality of just pushing through pain Mm -hmm. like whatever the pain is like oh it'll be fine but you get older and you start realizing like oh if there's a little you know ache in my foot it's probably better for me to stop than to keep going. And, you know, even when you know that, yeah, you could still end up making mistakes and getting injured, but still. Yeah. And on that note, for coaches who, you know, you have both views of it because you are a mom who is coached and you also are a coach who most likely coaches other mom athletes. Do you have any tips or ways that you try to think about how you're coaching moms or parents, you know, who are, you know, that they have this extra thing that they're balancing through their training plan and that can come up with training. Do you approach that any differently or any, are there any things that you think about differently for athletes like that with who are parents? I just try to communicate what the priorities are for the week. Um, so if they have key workouts that they need to get done, you know, like it'd be great if you got all, you know, if your training peaks was green, but that's okay if it's not, but let's try to get these things in. And if you're having trouble getting these things in, then let's figure out how we're going to move things around and make it successful. So you're feeling good about your training and I'm not just, you know, plugging things in just to have things there. Um, And just being super flexible and letting them be okay with having a really great day and praising that and then being flexible and saying, oh my gosh, you missed the workout because you had to get to soccer practice and then there was a dentist appointment. Oh, and that robot project, that's due tomorrow. (laughs) Because you know the robot project is not for the kid. That's... You're building that robot. <laughs> We're not quite at that age yet, but I remember my parents doing yeah. an awful lot of projects yeah. when I was younger. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, yeah just, totally. just being flexible and, you know, they're going to have the guilt that comes along with the training and missing things. So just, you know, be flexible. And if there's a red box, know that there's probably a really good reason for that red box. 
and you can ask about it and it yeah. might be really interesting um but <laughs> just be kind and and don't add to the the mom guilt that we already have yeah totally i love that getting into the moms for triathlon group that you started so it it looks like you probably started that i mean uh, only a few months into Allie's life, right? Because I think that was early 2016. And you said she was born in October of 2015, right? So how did you get the idea? And I know you started it with CJ Messenchuk. And so tell us about the impetus for starting the group. So at that time, there was still the Women for Try group. And we would, there would be some posts that were just mom specific posts. And um we would get a lot or I would post things or whatever. Um, and I just wanted to have a forum where I would get support from other moms. And while it was great to have non-moms saying, Oh my God, you're awesome. Like sometimes I actually wanted solutions. Um, and then I also didn't want to like burden other people. Like seriously, didn't we cover nursing already? like nursing stuff, like, (laughs) you know, but things are coming along. Things have come along. Um, And just creating a really safe, welcoming space. And CJ and I were like, oh, let's see what, let's see what's out there. And there are a lot of really great, you know, local communities. Like there's a mom's group in my area. Um, But having something that had more of a global reach wasn't out there. So we just put it out there and we've had just a really great community come of it. And I think that the way that I try to run the page is to not be the loudest voice in the room. Um, I think that what makes it great is that we have so many voices. So unless I see that a post is not getting traction or something hasn't it been said that I'm like, oh, they're missing this. Like, I don't feel the need to comment on every single post. I don't feel the need to be like, oh, I haven't commented on every single post today. <laughs> they need to know I'm here. Like, I'll pop in and make sure everything is running smoothly, but I want the page to be with moms and the community and everybody helping everybody and everybody's voice being amplified. Um, and so that's why I sort of take a backseat role um, as the admin. Um, and it's, it's everybody is super cooperative and great. And I usually don't have to do much, which is great. I can just watch it grow. Yeah, that's really cool. Just with it being the internet, are there any topics that come up that some people are like, feeling a little more touchy about or you know have you had to kind of come in and deal with any issues I mean it sounds like maybe not a ton but have there been anything specific the hot topic ones usually are the ones of what you should or should not do while you're pregnant um okay that makes sense yeah, yeah. should you race during your pregnant while you're pregnant should you bike should you have that you know those things where people will give their two cents um And people's backgrounds are so different and their conditions that they're doing these things are so different. So like I said, like I stopped biking with my first pregnancy because it was not fun. Like 
but somebody else mm-hmm. might live in an area where it's smooth and there's not 60 mile an hour gusts of wind and there's no bunnies that are going to run in front of their bike like and it's safe for them or yeah whatever and they've talked with their ob so those are the things where i just kind of keep a little bit tireder of a watch on so everybody's being nice that's a good point too i mean and everybody's doctor is going to tell them something different too so Somebody might say this was this was my like law that I followed because this is my doctor said, but somebody else might have a completely different experience, and they both think that theirs is right. And if you end up in a <laughs> like a little bit of a back and forth, I can see yeah. that for sure happening. Oh, I didn't think that it was possible to race while you were pregnant until um, I didn't realize I was pregnant and I was racing. So <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you yeah. can do that. You feel lousy." And I was like, "You do." And then you you take a test after and you realize why your run split time was so slow. So, you know. Yeah. Do you, which race was that that you Oceanside. Did? Do you remember? It was oh, Iron Man wow. Oceanside. Oh, my right. gosh. That's a heck of a data. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel that way even with recording the podcast and, you know, just trying to be careful that when we share things, it's really like from our perspective and this is what we chose, but knowing that choices are so different. And to me, I think what happens with parenting is that there's so many decisions and when you make a decision, things feel so high stakes. It's like Mm -hmm. pregnancy. I mean, you know, it can feel life or death when you're making some of these choices, you know, whether like whether or not it is to whatever extent And so once you make a choice, I think people are really invested in it. And that's why I think the community can get so heated because people make a deliberate decision and then want to believe that it was the right one. But it's sort of taking a step back and accepting it was the right one for me, but everyone has to make their own decision and trying to just accept that, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when we cover topics that may or may not be like controversial, for lack of a better word, we definitely always like start off by saying this is our experience. You know, yours might be different. We are not medical professionals. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's very so I can see that kind of, you know, same type of thing going there. Yeah, I but, yeah, totally. But I mean, people have to understand, like, we all are at different points in our life. We all have different support systems and like. Like I said, like the decisions and the way things that I did things with my first pregnancy wouldn't have worked in my second pregnancy. And it's like, I'm the same person. So you're a different person in a different city with totally different things. Like, I don't really, I can't, how, how am I supposed to give you the best advice? And that's why I'm like, let's pull 50 people's advice, advice, and then you can see what sits well with you and pick through what pieces and, and find your support where you feel it resonates with you. Yeah, totally. And that's why I love the idea. Like I love the group and that there's so many people and people are so active. And for any question you have, you can search the group Mm -hmm. and see, you know, past conversations when it's come up and different experiences because it's really broadening. I think one of the reasons we started this podcast is that you can't, it's hard to find information on training during pregnancy, training postpartum, all of this type of stuff. And so 
if you are just looking on Instagram at like certain people's experiences and what they've done, again, it's one person's experience. And so I love that there's a group where you can go and see, oh, here's 20 people who responded on this one topic and sort of wade through and just and then feel what's right for you. So it's very cool. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to make sure that you share with listeners or any other things you wanted to touch on today? Um, no, I feel like we've had a really great talk. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think you said it last time, you know, last interview we did, like you always learn something from somebody just when you start asking these questions. And it's really cool to be able to share that with people. And we've definitely really enjoyed everything you've had to say today. Yeah, it's been great talking with you and feel like we've learned a lot and um, excited to to keep, you know, seeing you and, and hearing about your different experiences in the Facebook group. Thank you. And now for a closing segment, our Go Mamas of the Week. Go Mama, Go Mama, Go Mama. <laughs> this can be any small triumph or thing that's making us happy. Amy, what's your Go Mama this week? This week, it's a really special one. It is childhood home movies. So when I was a kid, you know, we had a, a camcorder, like a video recorder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I knew, of course, like I know that we had that. I know that I remember like where it was in our closet that we of the house we moved into a little bit later and like seeing you know it was one of those where like it had the little um tapes that would go that you could put into a bigger like vhs tape to put it into your tv you know Uh and and you know and i'd used it at at one point or another with like my friends doing a sleepover and stuff like that but mostly like i don't really remember it because it was more used in my younger childhood so at one point recently I was home at my dad's house and he was saying how he'd been going through and archiving all of these videos and like noting all the stuff that's on them. And so then he sent them off to a company that digitized all of them. And there's like, I don't know, like 15 or so VHS recordings that are now online and I can log in and watch them. And... He has notes on, like, what's in all of them so I can see, like, oh, this one, like, Disney World, Amy has a tantrum, like, all this stuff. (laughs) And it has just been just, like, stunning to watch. Like, it is, it's unreal. And I know that, like, what's crazy is that my experience right now is not something that our kids will really have because they will have their whole life been seeing videos of themselves as a kid. They're going to know what they were like as a kid. They're going to know what we were like when we were younger parents of little kids. It's all going to be recorded, but they'll be seeing it over time. And so it's a little bit different when it's like, you know, I'm in my 30s and I can suddenly not knowing that this was coming, not knowing that this even existed, really. Like, I'm seeing videos of me as a kid and, like, you know, my mom and my dad and my brothers. And, like, there's a video. The Go Mama. Let's let's the best one. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorites is there's literally a video of, like, the day I learned how to bike and pedal a bike. And what is so cool about this video is that it is my big brother, Ted, who is the one who, like, got me into Iron Man. He, like, taught me all the stuff of, like, how to do my first Iron Man and, like, all the nutrition. You know, just he helped guide me so much. 
And he's the one like holding me on the bike, like keeping me steady and then letting me go and like helping me like not fall over. And it's just so cool. It's so cool. Oh my gosh. You sent me that video and I was just like, that's like, like, look how far you've come. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like when, when you're so invested into something at this point in your life, like seeing the moment in your childhood that you learned how to do that is so cool. Yeah. And there's a million times I take a video of the kids and I say, when they're in the Olympics for this thing, like they're going to NBC is going to be playing this or at, at, at Ali's PhD defense, I'm going to show this photo where he's like watching this YouTube video of some computational math thing with his dad, you know, like, so I'm like definitely like cataloging all of those and thinking about it. But like, I didn't know that I had that for myself. So yeah. it's, it's super cool. Yeah. That's so neat. <laughs> yeah. What's your go mama this week? Well, mine this week is um, still related to being at the coast. So we, my parents have had this home out there for just over maybe three years. And honestly, I had no idea there was a pool close by. There's a YMCA in, um, you know, we're fairly close to Tillamook, Oregon, and there's a YMCA there. And a few months ago, I was driving around. I think Beth was napping in the car or something, and Nick had to run into the store And I see this building and I look at it and I'm like, that's a pool. Like you can (laughs) tell from the outside. I mean, you can just, I could just tell. And so I'm like, that's a, that's a swimming, that's a pool right there. And so, um, and we've been going down there for a few years and I had no idea there was a pool like 10 to 15 minutes from the house. And so I get home and I like look it up or whatever and there's totally a YMCA and they have a pool and they've got like a lap pool and a um, like a warmer um, like hi- hydrotherapy pool, I guess, if you will. And they do open swimming stuff in there. And so we were going to actually go the last time we were down there and we were going to try to take Beth to do like the open swim. But we called ahead and it was closed that day for ah. a swim meet. So this time we were down there. And I called ahead and made sure everything was open and um, went down and I was just, there was a pool, there's a lap pool and I had no idea. And so I was really excited, kind of like, you know, a kind of bummed that I missed the opportunity to swim (laughs) so much while being going to the coast. But I'm just really excited that I went and did it and the water felt great. Like my biggest thing is I do not like hot pools. Absolutely Ooh, yeah. not hot pools. And so it was <laughs> a little bit warmer than the pool I'm used to swimming in. But even when I was doing like efforts, it definitely wasn't too hot. And so i um, super, super stoked that I went and got a swim in on my little vacation weekend. Nice. That's so awesome. And now here's to future swims too. So cool. Yay. Well, that's it for our show this week. Thanks for listening. We are excited to continue sharing our experience with training through pregnancy, postpartum, and with young kids. New episodes come out every Friday, and we love to hear from our listeners on questions you have or thoughts on any of the topics we've covered. You can find us on Instagram at Moms of Triathlon or email us at momsoftriathlon at gmail.com.